welcome to Surviving the Trauma of Abuse, a series of podcasts based on the reality of sexual violence, rape, domestic abuse, and the trauma it causes. I'm Garvey, your host, and yes, I was a victim. Please be warned, this is a serious look at a serious subject, raising awareness of the help available by telling my story, giving advice on how to access that help, one very special organization that saved my life. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Surviving the Trauma of Abuse. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the year so far as it's been for me and my family. First though, I'll give you a quick recap of where we left off in the last episode. Last year, in July 2021, nearly 40 years I finally got to see justice as my abuser was found guilty in court and sent to prison at the age of 71 for 11 and a half years and also needing to sign the sex offenders register for the rest of his life on release meaning he could no longer hide or deny what he was and what he had done. For me, that was just the start, as now the real hard work could finally begin as I started my counselling. It's been quite a start to 2022 for me and the family, as... We took the break for Christmas 2021 last year from counselling. I was the epitome of positive. I saw myself as a survivor, not a victim, which in itself was massive for me. And for the first time, I was looking forward in life, not back. A novelty for me after almost 40 years. The fact my counselling was nearly finished didn't faze me in the slightest. Yet just a few short months ago, that news would have scared the living daylights out of me, leaving me feeling like I was isolated and alone again, or soon would be. A sign that the counselling had worked and I was finally moving forward. And so, to January 2022, the start, a new for me, my wife and our family, after almost four years of living, eating and breathing abuse and court case. Well, that was how we planned it. Anyway, our fresh start. But over Christmas, my amazing counsellor Bruce was taken ill with Covid. That was a big hit for me because it was with his help and the tools he had given me, my spotting, my breathing exercises, and that's just two of them, that I'd managed to work through everything and had gotten to the stage where I can honestly say I felt I had it beaten. Life was looking good. I was making plans, something I'd never done before. I was thinking about my future and all the things it could offer and could be. 
granted, I still have my health issues to get sorted, but all in all, I was in a much better place to deal with everything. My life was looking good for the first time in, I don't remember how long. But that's when everything stopped. And good old life stepped up and said, oh no, I don't think so. Get back down where you belong. My health hasn't been the best over the last few years, what with the cancer scare, two major operations to stop it, massive weight loss. I went from a healthy 17 stone 8, taking double XL in shirts and a healthy 34 inch waist to less than 8 stone, taking a small in tops and a 28 inch waist. I wasn't eating right, I lost my teeth due to the acid reflux I was suffering nightly. Basically, I was a mess health-wise. And in February of this year, on my wife's 50th birthday of all days, I was taken by ambulance to Neville Hall Hospital in Abergavenny, some 25 miles from my home. The NHS is struggling due to COVID, as we are all well aware, and I saw that firsthand. Spending three hours on the back of an ambulance, and nearly another 24 hours in A&E before I could be moved to a ward. I spent my first night on that ward and slept. A&E is not an easy place to get any sleep as there's a constant flow of doctors, nurses and the patients plus the usual round of monitoring you and taking your odds, blood pressure, temperature etc but the staff were pretty amazing and coped with it fantastically. That first morning on the ward, I met my consultant, a lovely lady with full team in tow. And after suffering various blood tests, scans and all the rest that I'd had, she pulled up a chair and sat with me. Straight away I knew this wasn't going to be good, but I sure wasn't expecting what came next as she said to me. If you had waited another seven to ten days, your wife would have brought your morning coffee and ended up needing to arrange a funeral, sir. Those words hit like a bullet. I was shocked, scared and a whole bunch of other emotions all at once. Turns out, I had massive vitamin deficiencies which had caused this. Not surprising when you think that for over two years I survived by eating the odd tin of soup a day and packets and packets of tuck biscuits and that's all. The lack of energy, plus the sleepless nights that were caused by flashbacks and memories of the abuse and the things he did to me. It was no wonder there were times I just didn't think I could carry on and face everything, never mind get through it. 
which is an even bigger testament to the support I received from New Pathways and my ears with Sam. So, my treatment started. Various high-dose vitamin tablets, morning, noon and night. I kid you not. An injection in my stomach daily, as I was now anemic, which stung like hell. Finally, I started to eat. Little bits at a time. A week later, I was eating three meals a day in the hospital. And just over a week, I put on a stone in weight. That was the first time I'd weighed over eight stone since I took ill in 2013. So I was feeling pretty pleased with myself. Unfortunately, Although my health was improving, mentally things were getting worse. I was moved into a side ward with three other older gentlemen, all with varying degrees of dementia. There was no TV, no radio, and certainly no conversation. After a week of this, with nothing to do but think, visits were not allowed due to COVID, Plus the fact I was 25 miles from home and my wife couldn't drive meant I started to go alone. And boy, it happened fast. I frightened those poor old guys in my ward half to death one night when, without warning, the night terrors returned and I woke screaming from my sleep with the smell of his fag breath in my nose, the weight of him on me and the horrible feeling of his wandering hands all over me. That was the biggest kick in the teeth. And also the biggest feeling of embarrassment and guilt for putting my fellow patients through that. It also meant I had to explain to the ward staff my whole story. And also shame I felt for thinking I had it beaten and clearly I hadn't. I felt like I'd let everyone down, like I'd had a taste of what life could really offer then had it stolen away from me. The mind started to pinball, health, abuse, flashbacks, night terror, my mum. I didn't think he could get this bad again, but there was more to come. I received an email from New Pathways via my phone, which informed me that Bruce, my counsellor, was not returning to New Pathways due to ill health. That's when the panic really set in. The sleepless nights were back with a vengeance, as my mind and body collaborated to keep me awake and save me from the fear of the nightly terrors and flashbacks I was once again experiencing. Although I was suffering from the abuse memories, night terrors and flashbacks again, my health in itself was improving. I was eating food regularly, feeling stronger in myself physically, but mentally, you guessed it, I was feeling pretty much drained. With nothing to do but think. Luckily, I had my phone. 
So my Spotify was on most nights when I was unable to sleep. My music was there for me yet again, helping me keep the bad things in check, at least. Even with the sleeping tablets I was now taking, I was still struggling to get more than two or three hours before the night terrors woke me. But I managed not to frighten my fellow patients anymore screaming, fortunately. I was waking up scared, cold, worried about the toll it was taking on me. I used all the tools I'd learned with my counsellor. But nothing, and I mean nothing, seemed to be working. So yet again, I reached out to new pathways spoke to them and explained and they supported me straight away by organising another counsellor for me when I was finally back home. After this things improved for a while and with my continued health improvements that inevitable day came when I was discharged some three weeks ago now as I write this. Home in my own bed and comfortable surroundings I thought that things might ease up, but no, that wasn't so. The night terrors, the flashbacks, they all continued. Sleepless nights became the norm again, and still none of my tools were working. The breathing exercises that had helped me ground myself after the night terrors had struck seemed like a waste of time. But I continued determined to beat it again. And so now, two weeks into my second course of counselling, here I am. And Sam, no, not Sam, my Isba, Samantha, my new counsellor, is pretty amazing. We just seemed to click on our first session by phone. And I instantly felt comfortable and at ease, which surprised me, as Sam is the first female counsellor I've had. My pre-trial counsellor and my post-trial counsellor were both males. And I wasn't too sure how I would cope, opening up all over again to a female. Sam has been absolutely amazing. In our second session, which we did via video link on Zoom last week, we made a plan of how we were going to deal with my lapse, setback, call it what you will. And that feeling of being comfortable and at ease grew. I think putting a face to the name helped, as, as I said, our first session had been by phone. I still suffer from the flashbacks, the sleepless nights and the night terrors on a regular basis, but with Sam to help and guide me, I'm starting to feel that positivity and the fighter in me, the one who just won't lay down and quit, is coming back with a vengeance. I'm saying this next part to remind both you and myself just why I started this, both the blog and the podcast series, back in 2020. 
Can't believe it's been going almost two years. I started them both to try to raise awareness of the help that is available by telling my story and speaking about the help. One of the biggest things I came across during this journey was the fact that you do not have to report to the police in order to get the help that's available. I'll say that again. You do not have to report to the police in order to access the help that's available. That came as a massive shock for me, as I was advised a long time ago that I had to report it in order to get access to the help which meant suffering another two years before I summoned the strength to report it to the police in November 2017. The help I got after that from New Pathways started in January 2018, when Sam, my ISVA, was assigned. A post which he kept and went above and beyond for me for over three years. Yet, I digress. So here's where we are today. Me, my wonderful wife and my wonderful family, another set of counselling sessions on the go, this time knowing I can and will beat it again, hopefully this time for good. But as I progress, I'll post updates on the blog and release further episodes of this podcast series, for which I thank you for listening to and supporting me just by listening. This podcast will be shorter than the others as it is just bringing you up to date after the last episode about the court case. So with only four months of this year almost gone, there is not a lot to tell you compared with telling my story, which has been going on for over 40 years now since the abuse first took place. Please, if you take anything from either my blog or podcast series, learn this, it's important. You do not have to report to the police to get help. And also, please do not wait over three decades as I did to get the help. It's there and available to you now. New Pathways, the fantastic charity that has supported me since January 2018, is based in Wales in the UK. The website? www.newpathways.org org.uk is available to anyone with access to the internet and although they can't help you if you're outside of Wales they can give you some free confidential initial advice and they do have connections with a number of other organisations that provide help to victims of abuse that are more local to you and can point you in that direction. One of the most important things to remember when reaching out and asking for help is do not be ashamed. 
will be listened to, you will be believed, and you will be supported. Trust me on that, as I know based on my own experience. It's hard making that initial call, but it is well worth it. And let's face it, you deserve the help, because you didn't ask for what happened, and you sure as hell did not give permission for it to be done to you. Also, with this episode, I'm going to put the full version of the song I wrote and released about my abuse called Letter to My Abuser. It's available on Spotify and Amazon and Apple iTunes where it can be streamed or downloaded. There'll be another episode and more posts on the blog as soon as I have some worthwhile content or updates for you on my story. But the blog, Surviving the Trauma of Abuse, is always there. Find it at www.survivingabuse.co.uk and I'll keep you up to date on anything I learn about help and the services available as I find them. Catch you on the next episode and thanks for supporting me just by listening. Hope you like the song, by the way. Stay strong. Garby.